with you, please turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke 8. Luke 7 was one long, careful argument demonstrating that the character of Jesus' entire prophetic ministry is that He's the one who's come to forgive sins. This was not why Israel thought the Messiah was going to come. At least that was not the essence or the primary purpose of this coming one's ministry. It might include that, they suppose, for those who had earned it, who were righteous enough to be forgiven. But the main reason the Messiah was coming was to abolish Israel's enemies and make them the center of the world again. That was what they were thinking. But no, that's not His primary purpose at all. The Messiah's kingdom would come in stages. They couldn't see that. And the first stage was to forgive sins. And so as we enter chapter 8 this morning, the focus now is on the mystery of this kingdom Jesus is bringing. When Jesus forgives sins, He isn't doing just some spiritual accounting for a person. What He's doing is remaking them, bringing them into a new family. And we call it the church. And here's what marks this family. Is that they hear the Word of God in Christ. They listen to it. And they know that they have to keep listening to it. And keep hearing it. For their very lives are dependent on it. So Jesus raises a crucial issue in the first part of chapter 8. We must be very careful then about how we hear the Word of God. Listening is not a passive matter. And how we hear the Word of God determines everything for us. The family of God is made up of those who persevere in hearing and receiving the Word of God with faith. Let's pray. Our Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You, God, for the grace of Jesus Christ that is poured out on us. And Lord, may we hear this Word as people who need this grace. That we may be and do all that You've sent Your Son to live and die and rise for us to be. So Father, would You help me preach, please, Your Word and the power of Your Holy Spirit. Would You soften every heart and enable every ear to hear Your Word. We ask this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we'll certainly spend some more time on verses 19 through 21 when we get there. But for now, let's look at what's happening in those verses that we also see happening here in verses 1 and 3. Let's start there, verse 1. Soon afterward, he went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And also some women who had been healed of evil spirits, spirits and infirmities. Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chuzza, Herod's household manager, and Susanna, and many others who provided for them out of their means. Now look down to verse 19. Then his mother and his brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. What's happening here? Jesus is gathering a congregation around His Word, the Word that He proclaims. That theme acts as the bookends around the parable and its explanation here this morning. Verse 15 will show that this congregation will be a true congregation. And these two scenes give us a glimpse of that. Verses 1-3 through show us immediately 
that the people in the congregation that gathers around Jesus' word apparently are people that have a past. The fact that Jesus had women among his disciples, by the way, would have been a problem for most people. So Luke is sure to include that detail. There was general opposition in this day and age within Judaism to teaching Torah, the way of the Lord, to women. It was a major issue. You wouldn't have to dig very far into the writings of some of the rabbis to understand just how harsh that opposition could be. But Jesus is bringing His kingdom into the world. And so more than their sex, their past is the real issue here, which is what Luke intentionally highlights here. But that's the thing. These are Jesus' people. This is who He gathers around Him to hear. Part of the beauty of Jesus was his treatment and inclusion of women. There were some, more than there were men, in fact, at his cross and burial, and were also the first to see him resurrected. They're here among the twelve. They're helping support this ministry financially, logistically. And isn't this especially beautiful, by the way, if we remember how God's word to us began in the first place all the way back in Genesis. God made Eve for Adam, the first Adam, as a helper suitable for him. It's not demeaning, for the Lord Himself helps humanity. But now with the coming of the kingdom of God into the world, women are here again facilitating the ministry of the second Adam as His helpers, as He begins a new creation. Jesus didn't conform to tradition and make women second-class citizens, but considered them His true sisters. Luke will go on to tell us in Acts chapter 2, verse 18, that the Holy Spirit will be poured out on both male and female servants. And as verses 19-21 through 21 reveal, that whoever does the will of God, which is to believe Him, is His brother and sister and mother. Verses 1-3 through 3 and verses 19-21 through 21 then reveal the theme of the passage. Prizing the Word of God, hearing it, knowing that you need it, is what determines one's nearness to Jesus. Verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathered, or was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away, because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. So you're just with Jesus. His disciples are around him. These women are around him. There's a crowd around him. And he just says this. No explanation to the crowd that hears it. He just proclaims these things. Part of what we're realizing here is that Jesus actually brings a kind of judgment through his word. It's almost built into our Christian DNA to think that Jesus used parables, these stories, to teach so that people could more easily understand divine truth. He made it earthy. He made it accessible. So he uses examples from the real world to help things make more sense. And that's why he taught in parables. Verse 9. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not Understand. So here's the actual biblical truth about why Jesus taught in parables. He uses them to teach so that people who reject Him will not understand and will get more confused. That's what Jesus says He is doing. And then He quotes Isaiah 6-9 to explain Himself 
in verse 10. In Isaiah's day, which would have been Judah in the 8th century B.C., the Word of God had been given, but it was being persistently rejected, no matter how clear God spoke. So there's apparently now an Isaiah 6 situation happening in Israel in Jesus' day also. The Word is there, but they're rejecting Him, so He refuses to reveal the meaning to them. He teaches in a way that is meant to conceal the truth to those who reject Him as the coming one. And that is still true to the degree that we are rejecting Jesus and the reason that He came, mainly in the forgiveness of sins, we will be closed off to hearing the Word when it's given to us. How we hear the Word of God in Christ is everything. How we hear it. What is the state of our heart while we're listening? That's going to go all the way in determining whether or not we understand it at all. Understanding the divine truth and the teachings of Jesus is a matter of being given the ability to understand them by God. This is not only a declarative statement Jesus is making here, it's also Him telling us we need to seek God for His grace to help us understand His Word. Because naturally we can't hear it and we don't want it and we reject it. And often we go into hearing the Word of God already dead set against what God is saying to us. We aren't going to hear the Word. We aren't going to understand and what this text tells us is that in order to understand it, we need to be given the ability to do so. It means we ought to humbly come under the Word of God, asking Him, Lord, give me the grace to understand. Give me the grace to listen and to hear. Because if He doesn't give us the gift of understanding, we won't understand it. And if we do not understand the Word of God, if we don't hear the Word of God rightly, we will die. And listen, we'll be dead long before we die if we can't hear the Word of God to us in Christ. There is, of course, judgment for eternity that comes for all who reject Christ, but the effects of rejecting the truth that gives us life will also be felt in the world in which we live right now. It may be hard to understand Jesus here when you read this because we have the benefit of knowing the explanation in the next few verses. So when he says how hard it is to understand, we think, no, it's not. We think that because we're being told what it means. In the moment of revelation, we wouldn't have had any idea what Jesus was talking about, and we wouldn't care if we'd already been rejecting Him, like the Pharisees and the scribes. That's why they're not listening. They're getting more deaf as time goes on because they hate Jesus more and more and more. And they hate that He's come mainly to forgive sins more and more and more, especially the sins of tax collectors and the like. But around Him in this moment are those who are already gathered to Him because they want to hear Him. They know they need to hear Him. And so to them, He speaks. Verse 11. Now the parable is this. The seed is the Word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while, and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So just right out of the gate of the four soils, 
the four types of people who hear the word, 75% of them reject it. Three out of four soils are worthless when it comes to hearing and receiving the seed, which Jesus has told us in verse 11, remember, is the word of God. 75, you did it just on pure math. Three out of four. 75% of those that hear the word don't keep hearing the word and reject it. The seed thrown in the soil along the path in verse 5 is trampled underfoot. The birds of the air devoured it because it hadn't taken root. It laid exposed there. In terms of that kind of hearer in verse 12, these are the ones who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved, which is the goal of sowing the seed of God's word, of course. So that's one reason people reject the word, right? The devil steals it from their hearts so they won't believe it. Then there's the seed that fell on the rock in verse 6 that grew. But as it grew, it withered because there was no moisture. So it's not so much a you know, soil filled with rocks. Think of a limestone layer of rock with a very thin bit of topsoil above it. That kind of soil will warm up in no time. So seeds might sprout rather quickly, quickly, but whatever moisture there is dries out too fast. And so for the most part, they wither. It started out positive. Then it withered and came to nothing. There are hearers of the word like that in verse 13. They receive the word with joy when they first hear it, but it never takes root in them. How do we know that? Because they believe only for a while. But when believing gets too hard and they're tested, they fall away. Then there's the seed that fell among thorns in verse 7. And the thorns just overgrew it and choked it. Hearers like that in verse 14 are the ones who can hear the word, but it gets choked out of them by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. So what are we hearing? The key to survival, the key to growth is perseverance in faith to receive the word. That's the case with the final soil in verse 8. Look back there. Some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. These are the ones with ears to hear. To say, I need maybe to keep listening. Maybe the word isn't done with me. Maybe I need to grow. Maybe my thinking needs to change and develop and mature. These are the ones that know they need to keep hearing and receiving this word if they're going to be saved in verse 15. As for that, in the good soil, there are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. We must hold the word fast in a heart that is willing to receive it as the truth every time we hear it. With patience that He is at work in us through His Word. That's how God changes His people, through His Word. That's how He grows them. So we have to keep hearing the Word as the truth of God for us in Christ, the way in which we first received it. We always need it, and so our hearts must be continually softened in order to hear it. And there are two kinds of responses we can make when the Word begins to threaten us and soften us. Reject it, and then we can't hear it, or soften and hear it, and let it have its way with us. That's the reason for being part of a church, that you're constantly hearing the Word of God. That's really the main thing, the main reason we need it as Christians. And it's here we need to ask then, okay, but let's talk about this for a minute. Why is there usually a bad harvest 
when the seed is sown. And where did, where did we ever think that it was going to be different than this? Right? When Jesus is the preacher, three out of four people don't want the Word. How does that happen? Why is the seed usually unsuccessful? Is the seed bad? Is God a bad sower? No. What we're learning in this parable, beloved, is that there's something in our nature that makes the Gospel go to waste when we hear it. That makes the Word of God to us in Christ go rotten when we hear it. When it gets inside. It's in us. In other words, Jesus is telling us here, you need to stop listening to yourself. You need to stop trusting that voice inside in spiritual matters. And begin to question yourself. Be suspicious of what you so quickly tell yourself is the truth and are willing to believe. We just need to slow down and breathe in our souls a little bit as we hear the Word. Isn't that the mantra out of the world? Right? Say, so, well, that sounds very liberal. Yeah, because the mantra of the world is it's a virtue, right? Question everything. Question everything. Isn't it funny that the people saying that and telling you to do that never question themselves? Question everything except yourself. Believe in yourself. Love yourself. Trust yourself. And there are times when you need to go with your intuition. There are times when someone's gut is a very good thing. But in matters of the gospel, of hearing the word of God, no. No. Question everything except yourself, apparently. Because the self is everything, right? The self is everything. The triumph of the human spirit and the power of humans and all this, that's the whole goal of media and art and film and music now and all the, it's just, it's sad. It, it, that's why all movies and music, they all sound pretty much, they're saying the same thing, giving the same message just through different media because the self is everything. Beloved, the human self may be an amazing thing, but it cannot hear the Word of God as truth. It is unable to do that. We need to know that every time we sit under it. We need to be telling ourselves, praying as we sit under a sermon or in a study, or when we sit down privately to read the Word together, God, help me. I do not want to naturally receive Your Word. Help me. Break me down. Keep me humble. Break me under it. Let me submit to it. Because I don't want to submit to it. I know I have the Spirit, Lord, in me. That's why I'm praying this way. But I also have the old self. I still have this body of death, Paul calls it in Romans 7. Help me. I don't want to hear. I don't want to listen. Parables are not understood by everyone. The parables of Jesus deal with the mysteries of the kingdom of God. The hidden things. He who has a sense for that which the kingdom gives, which is the forgiveness of sins, understands the parables and understands the gospel. Which again is why the Pharisees don't. Because they didn't believe in their need for the forgiveness of their sins. Which didn't just affect them, but how they saw other people that did need the forgiveness of sins as they saw it. And if we will not receive forgiveness... We cannot hear the Word of God for us in Jesus. Not at the beginning, the middle, or the end of our salvation. These people in this parable keep listening 
and therefore growing. There's not growth without listening. What the kingdom of God that comes in Christ gives is undeserved grace to people who long for God but know they aren't worthy to enter His presence. That's a good and honest heart. A heart that knows how badly it needs Jesus. But if a person receives the word rightly for the forgiveness of sins and holds fast to it, notice, then if we receive it as that, then it bears fruit in us. And normally we try to put the focus of our preaching on the bearing fruit part when preaching is for the receiving the word part. The proclamation of the word of God. When we hold fast to it, it bears fruit in us. It grows in us. That's the good soil of verse 15. The fruit of the Spirit only comes out of those who continually hear the Word of God as those who need it, mainly for the forgiveness of sins. The main thing God's Word has come to do is save me and forgive me. In that state, when I know that's what it is, I keep bearing fruit. You don't even have to track it. The Spirit will just be doing it. That brings us right into what Jesus teaches in these next few verses here in verse 16. No one after lighting a lamp covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks that he has will be taken away. So, notice that. These verses are not about shining your light. No, no, no. That's not what they're about. But about how we hear. How we receive the Word. Do you notice that? In the beginning of verse 18 again. Take care then how you hear. Oh, that's what he was saying. I thought this was about me shining my light. No, you, you shine your light. That's not what this verse is doing. This is about you and I needing to be careful how we hear the Word of God. That's what we should get from verses 16 through 17. Okay, I need to take care then how I hear. They're just, these verses are just further explanation of verse 15 from the parable. Verse 16 shows the intention of the revelation Jesus is bringing. This is what Jesus is doing with His Word. It's what He expects to happen because of His Word. One doesn't light a lamp, bring the light of truth to cover its light, but to give light to people. Jesus' Word has come to illuminate our hearts, not to be snuffed out and choked and withered. And in verse 17, it appears that this revelation Jesus brings will in fact become progressively clearer to some, to those who hear it rightly, to those who keep listening to it with faith. We, we never outgrow, outwork, outlive the need for faith. Ever. So even our hearing of the Word must be done with faith or we're not hearing it rightly. The Word of Jesus will be made known. These verses teach. So take care that you hear the Word of God Rightly, in verse 18. Because it's going to be proclaimed. 
Jesus didn't come with light to cover it up so that some could decide it's not true and not see it. Because just like the different kinds of soil, where the Word takes root, there will be fruit. Where the Word is rejected, even what we hold on to, that we think we have and think we know and think that we're doing right, that will all be taken away in judgment if we stop hearing the Word with faith. Take care then how you hear. So the question for us this morning, what is the Word of God to you? What is it actually? How do you approach it? When you come into your preaching, what is the state of your heart? How do you hear it? As what it is? Or as what you want it to be? Have you hit the ceiling of knowledge? And you have nowhere to go? Then you, you can't hear it. How we hear the Word is what really matters, beloved. Not just that we hear it. But how we hear it. There's a right way and a wrong way to hear the Word of God. And we've been told how to correctly hear the Word of God in this passage with persevering faith. I need you, Lord. I need you to teach me the truth. I don't know it yet. Help me. God is at work among those who hear Jesus' Word. Davis says that those who receive and welcome His Word will find that God gives them even more light and insight, while those who stiff-arm His Word will find that God takes away even what they thought they had. You see this in Christians that just over time get more bitter, more unforgiving, more unloving, because the Word is no longer hitting the soil. It's, it's, just, it's not taking root. They don't need it anymore. They've moved beyond that state of desperation and need before the Lord. Professing Christians, do you hear this this morning? If you hear and then reject the Word, if you hear what it says plainly and say, I'm not doing that. I'm not listening to that. If the how of your hearing is that you ignore what you don't like and push over it no matter what it says to do and just keep believing what you want, God will literally take away whatever knowledge you did have at one time. It'll become like a, you know, something that you put in a canister that if you don't open it and give it air over time, just dies and rots. This is the faith that does not persevere. But the more a person receives, the more a person gets of insight and experience, of firmness and faith, of clarity for those things that seem so mysterious, and most of all, salvation on the last day. Those who receive these things get these things. And that brings us full circle, doesn't it? Back to who the family of God is. To those that gather around Jesus to hear His Word. In verse 19, Then His mother and His brothers came to Him, but they could not reach Him because of the crowd. And He was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But He answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the Word of God and do it. The Word of God, heard in faith, creates this new family of God, which will be, of course, the Christian church. Through faith in Jesus, a new family arises in the world that takes precedence 
over all natural ties of blood. All of them. To hear God's Word and do it in context means to receive the Gospel and draw the right consequences. It means to come to Jesus and be His disciple. To take on the posture of a lifelong learner of the Gospel. So I already know it. Admit, believe, confess. Beloved, the Gospel is the revelation of the wisdom of God in Christ in total. Everything in the Bible is an explanation of the Gospel. It is the fruit of the Gospel heart of God. When Jesus shifts the attention away from blood mother and brothers, He's not saying that natural family relationships mean nothing. But He is putting them in perspective in light of the priority we place in our lives on the Word of God, even over the Word of family, right? Of blood. The family of God is made up of those who persevere in hearing and receiving the Word of God with faith. The family of God is the family that listens to the Word correctly. And how should we listen to it? What is the correct way? With persevering faith as the Word of life. This is the Gospel for the forgiveness of sins. And it's in that state of hearing the Word that we then bear fruit that is pleasing to God. We did not write it. It is writing us. It is making us. I'm not telling God what the truth is. That, that's what we do when we handpick what we'll believe and what we won't. We're telling God, I decide what the truth is. No, God tells us what the truth is. Or we are not listening. When we refuse to submit to the Word of God, that's what we're doing. We're telling God, you don't have the truth. I have the truth. But in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In Christ, the One who forgives us of our sins. In Him is the Word that gives life eternal. Listen to Him. He is speaking to you to forgive you, to make you His child, to make you a member of His family, to give you the family likeness. 